You're about to embark on a journey through the written word of God on subjects that deal with today. This is Brothers Just Searching. How you doing, everyone? And welcome to Brothers Just Searching Podcast, where we go ahead and study the Bible and talk about current world events to edify and to educate the believer in the Lord. We're just glad you're here tonight. I'm Isaac, along with Brother Anthony, and Senior Pastor of New Beginning Fellowship Church, Pastor Brandon Trott, is joining us tonight. Pastor B, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's good to be with y'all. Hey, it's been a while. It's been a while. Been, <laughs> been a couple a months. Yeah, and now we got all new stuff, so I hope there you... There you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm enjoying You can hear it. yourself now. I can. That's great. <laughs> Amen. But uh, how's everything going? How's life? How's the church? How's everything? We're doing okay, man. We're doing okay. Church is going okay. Um, you know, a, a lot of things up in the air right now with this uh coronavirus and you know the things that our state expect and then our school and what you know what are the cdc you know guidelines going to be what are the state guidelines going to be what's what's mandatory what's recommended a lot of things up in the air but god's sovereign god's god knows what he's doing we're trusting lord seeking lord for wisdom it's going to work out man it's the outside services yet I, I actually do. I miss the outside <laughs> services. I don't. I don't miss them as a replacement for Sunday morning services. Uh, but it, it was a fun thing being out in the community that way. But since then, we've started doing uh, outreaches in our community, going out to the park and and local grocery stores, and setting up a, a speaker across the streets and preaching the gospel outside. And so, Amen. you know, we're still ministering out in our community, letting that gospel light shine, man. Yeah, Pastor, Brent, uh, Pastor Daniel has been, uh, been talking about it a little bit. Yep. We bring it up every so often yep. in the podcast. He, uh, and our podcast, also, if you don't know Pastor Daniel, he's usually here with us, but he's off tonight. But, uh, yeah, he's been talking about it a lot. And, you know, I, I'm hoping that, that that outreach touches lives, you know, Amen. and that's, that's the whole part about it. And which we're talking about tonight, being a light in the world, you know. Amen. Well, I'm going to go ahead and make one announcement, everybody. Uh, if you're in Abbeville, Louisiana, or in the surrounding areas, we set a date uh, a while back. We were supposed to do a youth rally over there at Cross Point Church with Brother Kenny Flemings and Stephen Terrio. They were on our podcast. We talked about youth ministry and the effect of youth ministry. And unfortunately, with the COVID, we had to postpone that. That was almost three months mm-hmm. ago. We set a date for July 11th. It's going to be 6.30. We're all going to get over there. Uh, we, Me and Brother Steven got together. We put a worship team together. And we're gonna. It's it's for a youth group, but brother Stephen told me yesterday. He said if the older folk want to come, the recycled teenagers, you could say, mm-hmm. to come out and join us. Uh, we're expecting God to move, and uh, is this gonna be a time of worship? Brother Stephen was talking to me. He said he feels that the Lord wants us to worship. Mm-hmm. He might give a little fifteen minute message, but he said he just that's the Lord putting on his heart. We need to get young people together and worship. He told me the other day a church from Franklin's probably coming down. Uh, Pastor Brandon, I'll let you know about it, and we, you know, we're going to see what that, some youth will come out there, and we're just, we're just hoping that uh, God's going to move and God will touch lives. But July 11th at 6.30, Cross Point Church is located at 1631 South State Street in Abbeville. Uh, if you have any questions, just message us on our Facebook page, Brothers Just Searching, and we're going to go ahead and get more information out to you as soon as possible. All right, guys, so the topic of... Last week was the darkness we we're facing today. We had Brother Lanny Hayes on last week, and we talked about this present state we're in, 
we talked a little bit about the racial issues and how darkness is just starting to overcome. And I, I me personally, in my personal prayer life and just looking at everything, I saw the darkness. And I remember the answer. We had an event a while back where we teamed up with First New Testament and New Beginning Fellowship Church, where we went to the Louisiana State Capitol and we prayed. And Brother Brandon, I remember I interviewed you for some mm-hmm. clips and we played it um, two weeks ago. Yeah. And you said something that stuck with me. You said, we are the salt of the earth. Mm. We are, you know, we're light in this present darkness and the narrative is Jesus Christ. So I want to go ahead and talk about tonight. We are the salt. We are the light. What is the church's role in this whole pen? We, we, you know, this whole pandemic, we've been, as we talked about, we had drive-in church services. We had live streams. We did all these things to help us have church. But through this time of racial divide and culture differences, what, how do we be, how are we enlightened to this? Yeah. This darkness. Amen. Um, well, one of the things that I'll just say is that the church is the answer for these days. And one of the things that breaks my heart is that right now, I think the church is feeling overwhelmed and frustrated, and I think we feel pushed to the side, and we don't know what to do, because the voices in the world are so loud, and people are so opinionated, and there has never been a time where it was easier for everyone's voice to be so loud. Really, uh, you know, everyone's voices used to be so limited in general to there were some people who their only voice that they had was their their immediate friends or family, maybe community, and then very few people had larger community, larger area, state, and then very few people nationwide influence or global. And now we're just in a day where everyone's got Facebook, right. Snapchat, Twitter, and so everyone opinion can be shared immediately. And so that there are many good things to Facebook and that platform, but one of the issues is that so many people have a platform that they did not earn, right? right. They have a platform that they did not earn where you know, other people, even if they're wrong, they spent years studying a topic. They, they've devoted themselves to it. They're involved with it. Uh, they're committed. They have relationships. And now you just have everyone, you know, the, I think the running joke right now is a few months ago, everyone was an expert in uh, communicable diseases, right? Because of COVID, now everyone, like, uh, you know, I've got a strong opinion on how contagious it is or it isn't. And if it's an overreaction or underreaction, then everybody was uh, an economic guru because they all know, well, this is what's going to happen with our nation economically this way or that way. And no, it's fine. Then everyone's a political guru with the impeachment of Trump this way and that way. And now everybody's a a racial uh, guru in that I know exactly what to do about this situation. And so the church feels like it's being bombarded, like its voice is being lost and we're being pressured and pushed and you have to see it from my way. And there's, there's no acceptable way the, the I guess the kind of irony is that for so long and so much of church history was there was the, the biblical way, the church's way, and then there was a sinful way, a worldly way, and there was a stark difference. But usually it was a dichotomy. It was, it was a twofold option. Here's one option. Here's the other. Now, 
everything that's that's not biblical is there's a thousand colors of it, and it doesn't matter a thousand shades and a, th- a thousand options of it. And if you say anything, it ev- someone will be offended. Right. Someone will have their feelings hurt. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm grateful for that question because I feel like this is a time we need to remind ourselves that the Church of Jesus Christ is the answer. That we are God's, we are Jesus's body in the earth. We are God's chosen people. God has given us by grace the opportunity to be the light, the salt in the earth, to be a blessing to the world. Now, that blessing is not without conflict. Right, because we preach the gospel, we take a stand for what is righteous. We stand for the word of God. We won't bow to, uh, you know, worldly demands. And so it's not without conflict, but that doesn't mean we're not still good for the world, right? And I remember hearing a pastor say once that one day Jesus Christ will come into this world and take His church out of this world, and that will be a day that many people will say, you know, we hated those Christians, but I'm so sad that they're gone, right? Wow. That they did so much. They were, if even if we didn't agree with them, we didn't want their message, we didn't like their conviction, we didn't like their, their dogmatism that there's one way, but they yeah. loved, they were peacemakers, they were gentle, they were generous, they were kind, they worked reconciliation. They were willing to forgive and create late relationships. And so that the church, being the church, is a beautiful, helpful, great influence in the world. And so that's what Jesus is saying, that we have to be that in this world. And I think if we're reminded, even uh, we, we feel a sense of exile, right? where gospel writers tell us that we're foreigners, we're sojourners, we're exiles in this world, that we have a heavenly citizenship and there is a kingdom to which we belong. There is a world which is our home, and it is not this one. And so we feel out of place here. But even in that, the the way that we can relate to that experience in the Old Testament is God's people Israel had a kingdom, a land, a place, a time that they were God's people and they were separate from the world, but they were judged by God for their constant sin, idolatry, unbelief, disobedience, and they were sent into Babylon. And God told them through the prophet, seek the good of that city while you were there. Mm -hmm. Seek to be a blessing to these people. They're your captors. They have killed your people. They have stolen your goods. They have uh, shaved your heads uh, and hauled you off as slaves. You are ridiculed. You are shamed. You are oppressed. You are abused. You are removed. And while you are there, it could be tempting to just say, these are our enemies and we're going to hate them. And we're not going to seek any good for them. Hopefully we'll survive while we're here, but we're not going to seek any good for them. And he says, not as a matter of placating to them, not as a matter of really try to be good to them so it's good for you, in a genuine sense, you are God's people, and you have sinned, and you deserve judgment. But repent, and part of that repentance is being loving and kind and good to these people, and in every way that you can, you make sure that they see you and go, I'm glad that they're here. And so at the most root level, 
that's what Jesus is saying. Now, there, there are obvious theological gospel implications to salt and light, right? We are, we are supposed to be bringing the revelation of the Word of God, right? God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And so He is light. The gospel is described as a light, First, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 5, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ shining into the hearts of men. The God who said, uh, let there be light will let the light of the gospel shine in their hearts. So we're not removing that that statement that Jesus gave in Matthew 5 uh, and, and verses, I think, like 13 through 16 or so. Uh, we're not removing that from a gospel truth context, uh, but it has to be both because the, the context of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount, right? right? Those words were not said in a vacuum, uh, intended to exclusively be understood in our gospel preaching. They were in the context right after Jesus said things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, Right for theirs is the kingdom of God, and so you have a poverty of spirit. You don't have anything, but because you don't have anything, and you come to me with a needy faith, I'll give you everything that you need. Blessed are those who mourn. You have a, an awareness of your sin. Blessed are the peacemakers, right. for they shall be called the children of God. And then all through chapter five, six, and seven, he's dealing with uh, the greater commands of obedience that he's bringing to the New Testament, right? So you've heard the law say, uh, you should love your neighbor. I'm telling you to love your enemy, right? Right. So the commands get bigger, greater. And so the focus, not to the exclusion of gospel truth, but the main focus as a root of gospel truth is the way that you live. Because nobody cares if you've got the message right if your life doesn't look like the message that you preach, right? right. You can't mm-hmm. preach Jesus is here as the Prince of Peace, and you're a contentious person that's always trying to stir up trouble. Right. And you think you're right, and you're an antagonist uh, kind of person. And so as a root of gospel truth the, that, that gives us the authority to be a light, right? Uh, it's, it's not just to have the proper dogmatism or the proper um, emphatic biblical truths, which we must, but we must have a life that is transformed by the gospel to authorize the validity of that gospel, right? Because the gospel saves. So the church is is the answer, and we needed we need to be reminded of that. And so, uh, we'll you know I'll, I'll kind of stop my rant in a moment and kind of let you pick <laughs> oh, up. No, go ahead. You but <laughs> but the the idea is that we need to stop listening to everyone else's voices. We need to hear it because we need to know right. what we need to give an answer to. But we need to stop feeling pressured by them. We cannot take our cues from the world. Right, oh, no. there is a spirit of this world. John said in his first epistle in First John that the spirit of Antichrist is now at work in the world. Go read Revelation. See the chaos. See the havoc. See the disorder. See the lies. See the manipulation. This false prophet that is empowered by a supernatural uh, spirit to bring, bring lies to the world. That spirit is at work in the world right now. Right. It has been from the beginning. Of of time, and it will increasingly try to spread its influence into this world. 
And so we cannot take our cues from the news media. We can't take our cues from social movements. We can't take our cues uh, from people's outrage and their anger and the more angry or upset or uh, loud that they are, then the more validity there is to what they're saying. We have to go to the Word of God. We have to let the Spirit of God deal with us and get to the root of the issue. Uh, And so with all of these things that are going on, whether it's the virus, uh, whether it's the, the racial division and, and animosity and frustration that is present in our society today, if it's the political arena and all of these things, there is a root. Right. And our job is to seek the Lord and to let the Lord minister to us and give us truth. And if we do that, then we will be ministers of the grace of God to that area. But I can't bring grace to that area uh, of of what's affecting our community and our society if I don't have the discernment of the Holy Spirit. Right. If I'm just as deceived and ignorant and led yeah. by blind emotion and you know political rants and all of these things as everyone else is, then what good am I, right? And that's right. what Jesus asks. You're salt, but mm-hmm. if salt has lost its flavor, uh, if it's lost its savor, right? And so the point is there's something specific and unique about you that you must have to be effective. Right. And mm-hmm. so you need to get to what is savory about you. You need to get to that flavor, to that usefulness of salt. Identify that by the grace of God. What's this gospel message? What's this character? What's the discernment of this issue that will make me salt in this situation? Uh, and let that be the thing that we bring to our situation. And so when we talk about salt and light, Salt is a preservative, right? So mm-hmm. it stops things from spoiling. Mm-hmm. It kills bacteria. Uh, it stops things from rotting. Right mm-hmm. now, we see the world rotting, yes. right? It yes. is decaying. It is falling apart. The fallenness of this world, the curse of Adam, is working itself out <laughs> very much alive and well right. and powerful in the lives of people right now in this right. world. Right. Uh, and so we must be salt to preserve that, to to hinder the work of the devil and the work of sin in society from having its full sway. Uh, and so that's what that's what uh, Ezekiel said. That's what what the Spirit of God said to him, uh, that the Lord was yearning, aching, desiring, all oh, that someone would make up the hedge, that someone would build up the wall, that someone would stand in the gap for my people. Why does why do you need someone to stand in the gap? Well, the the point is, standing in the gap, the broken wall, is that there is a a wall that's supposed to be for the defense of God's people that's broken down and enemies will get through. Why was the wall broken down? Because they deserve to be judged. They're full of sin and wickedness and disobedience. And if sin, if the law of sin and death had its free course, it would just rush in and destroy and kill. Everyone deserves to be judged. People deserve to be punished. Sin is causing so much destruction in their society and their culture. And he's saying, I wish that even these people who deserve so much judgment, I wish there was somebody to stand in the gap. 
and say that I'm serving the Lord, I'm living for God, and I'll intercede, and I'll preach the gospel, and I'll love people, and I'll say, have mercy on these wicked people. Allow good to be done to them. They don't deserve it. Should the wall be broken down? Absolutely. The wall should be torn down. It shouldn't be a breach. The whole wall should be down. They should be defenseless. They should be run over. But I choose to stand in the gap and intercede and plead for mercy from God. And God said, I I yearn for somebody to do that. I looked. I looked. I searched the hearts of men. I'm stirring the hearts of men. Why won't you pray? Why won't you be this influence? Why won't you uh, be the instrument of mercy to people that don't deserve mercy in the earth? And then in light uh, that it's a confused world, people are sitting in darkness. Now, granted, why do people not come to the light? Because their works are evil and they're afraid that the light will expose them. Uh, And so people avoid the light. But because people run from the light, should I not shine it? Come on, right. let me shine. Right, right. Let me shine. Let my voice shine. Let my life shine. Let the way that I love people shine. Let the way that I I preach Christ and Him crucified shine. Let the way that I'm gracious towards people and I show people that I don't throw people away because they mess up and I don't throw people away because they make mistakes and I don't throw people away. I'm willing to be patient with them and merciful for them and I'll continually call them to repentance because that's how God treats people. Let that light shine. Right. right? And so preserve, prevent the decay, and bring light to those who sit in darkness. And some will hate it and reject and run away, but others will be spared. Others will receive mercy. And the days that I was choosing darkness over light, my mother interceded for me. I'd come home drunk, high, full of wickedness and sin, knowing all the things that I did. And the moment I walked through that door in my house, conviction would fall all over me. I knew the Spirit of God was dealing with me, and I was eat up with conviction. It wasn't that I was afraid I was going to get caught. I was 18 years old. I'm, I'm right. trying to move out right. soon anyway, right? Yeah. And I, it was the presence of the Spirit of God dealing with me, convicting me. And I would I would work as hard as I could to be in bed in, as soon as I got through the door because I knew Mama was going to come. And uh, and I'd get in that bed and I'd turn over and pretend to be asleep. She'd open the door. Baby, you home? Yes, ma'am. All right. I wanted to let you know I'm praying for you. I'm like, I know you've been praying for me, doggone it. I don't want you to pray. I want this conviction to leave me alone. Get away from me. Right? Um, but there were many days that I just should have died, drinking and driving, uh, you know, buying drugs, just doing things that, man, I came so close to either terrible consequences that would have followed me for life or losing my life. And I really, and even when I was in sin, I knew, man, this was the mercy of God. And my mom was praying for me. Uh, And so somebody stood in the gap for me. Somebody was light to me. I don't want the light. Get it out of my face. Somebody was salt for me. I don't want your salt. I don't like salt. I like pepper. Get your steak and salt. <laughs> Get the Tonys in here. <laughs> That's right. I want that Tonys, boy. And yet, they chose to be light. They chose to be salt in my life. And so, man, we've got to choose. We've got to choose. We've got to look at the world around us and say the decay is happening. Where is the salt? The, the, the world is full of darkness. Where is the light? And that's why I want to come. Uh, that's why I want to go and lead into my next question is you, you're talking about the light of the world. Like we have to pray like your mama, your mama pray for you and that hit the conviction. Yeah. Unfortunately, brother Brandon, I see the churches are as me, my, not the church, but individual Christians as itself is me, myself and I bless yeah. us for no more. Yeah. And it, it's a selfish prayer. 
unfortunately, a lot of Christians are not praying. No. Like you said, we see the decay. No. Now we're praying. We're, yep. we're Our church is praying. And look, one church, look, we had the, the answer event where multiple churches came. Yep. And that's what the church, that's what church needs to do to bring the light. But a lot of Christians are not praying. A lot of Christians yep. ain't reading their Bible. And I feel that they we have a light, but it's dim because yeah. maybe... I'm I'm being gracious. Maybe five percent of Christians really, yeah. you know, really dive into the Word and study yeah. God's Word to be yeah. that light and to to answer these questions that yeah. are going on. Yeah, I tell you, man, it, it is a heartbreaking thing, and we can't we can't completely, um, you know, take away responsibility from pastors and leaders and churches because I know that there are ways that I want to be more faithful in making disciples and giving people help to grow in the Lord. Uh, and so, you know, I accept responsibility for that. Other pastors accept responsibility for that. But it is just so generally true in America that people are so caught up in rather wanting to live their own life. And, and I think a lot of people are under the illusion that just for this season, I need to really be selfish. I really need to think mm-hmm. about me. I really need to work on me. I really need to just live for me. And not realizing, man, you're, they're getting in a rut, and that's right. the style of their life. And, uh, and some people have been saying that for 20 years. You know, you know I'll, I'll serve the Lord when I really get things together. I'll serve the Lord when I, my finances are built up. I'll, I'll love people when they're not so unlovable. You know, I'll, you know, and it's just, it's just difficult. Uh, you know, I'll pray more when I have more time. You know, how much time you spend on social media? You got right. the time. It's just not a priority for you. Right. Uh, and so, and the difficulty is that that makes those who are trying to ascend higher in the Lord, right? Because uh, Paul says, you know, that he uh, is responding to the upward call of God, of Jesus, right? That he's he's wanting to, uh, you know, to come up higher in the Lord, right? That the Lord is calling me, come up higher, come up to me, know me more, be heavenly minded, know my truth, live in the heavenlies, uh, because you're seated in the heavenlies, but, right. but your mindset and your thought life and, and your character is not always heavenly. And so grow, go up higher. And many times uh, you just feel that, that, there are others who are weighing you down and contributing to a spirit of apathy in the church, making that hard. And I remember years and years ago hearing a man of God once uh, say that sometimes I feel like to fellowship with the church, I have to backslide. Wow. And I remember thinking like that. So man, that's kind of hard, man. Maybe that's (laughs) kind of self-righteous or mean spirited. And I can just say, honestly, I, I understand Mm. What he meant now that there are many people that they're mm. just so minded, so mindful, so carnally minded, and and if you understand the context of of First Corinthians chapter two and chapter three, is carnally minded is not necessarily meaning you're full of sin. It opens the door to sin, but it just means that you're you're thinking according to your fleshly feelings. You're not navigating life by the Spirit of God and His discernment by the Word of God. And it's truth by convictions and moral life that you're just kind of going with the flow and you're just kind of responding to how you feel and the impulses of your flesh. Uh, and so uh, just seeing that, that people are so carnally minded and we're a body, right? 
So my, my hand can't go any further than my feet go, right? My head can't go any further uh, than my arms will go. Like we're attached, you know, no matter how devoted I am in my personal life, there is a corporate life to be lived. And, and we're supposed to be in this race together. We're supposed to be running together, to be serving together, to be loving together. And we're supposed to be provoking one another to love and good works, uh, because it, our race is not singular. Right. It's not alone. Uh, and so there is a lot of truth to that, man, and, and trying to learn how to be gracious towards people because, you know, I, I have come through seasons where I realized that I was self-righteous and there were a lot of things that just for me came very easy because I was so radically saved. And that's uh, a, the Lord that's a so process. poured me down. Like he showed me so much of me. I mean, I was, I was wrecked. It, it was like an atom bomb went off in a city. Uh, and then, so it was just so obvious things that were wrong with me, uh, that needed to be more like the Lord, uh, that, you know, at times I've struggled with being gracious with people who are not as, uh, you know, they don't see themselves as obviously, uh, as I saw myself and kind of frustrated with them. And so I've, I've learned, to be more gracious, more gentle, more understanding. But at the same time, uh, that's, that's not a excuse to say, well, you just stay where you are. Right. Uh, and, and we have to realize, yes, be gracious towards those people. Um, but also we got to call you to come up higher, right? You've got to realize the ways that you are, that you are not moving forward in the Lord the way that you should. And, uh, the apostle who is writing the letter to the Hebrews confronts the way that there were people in the church that he says, you should be teachers by now. Right. You right. should be fathers in the church. You mm-hmm. have been saved. You've known the Lord long enough mm-hmm. that you should be able to properly be a good f- influence to other people. And right now you're not. You're mm-hmm. not building up the body. Right. You're not strengthening mm-hmm. the body. You're not able to be a gift to the body the way that the Lord has called you, gifted you, that the potential for the grace of God could have made you this, right? Man, the more I think about the potential of the grace of God, the more I grieve because I just think how much could grace have done in my life? How much could grace have done in your life if simply you would have received the grace that Jesus was trying to give you by the Spirit? Um, And so, man, it, it is a heartbreaking thing to think about those uh, who are not what they could be by the grace of God. And I, I call that spiritual laziness. Because you yeah. see, and I, I've witnessed that in my own life. You know, I, I, you know, Pastor Brandon, you know me, I've been in ministry for a while. You know, yeah. we do this podcast, we, we talk a lot. And, but I came to a point one time, I said, I just want to sit in the pew. Yeah. Jesus saved me, mm. and that's it. That, yeah. you know, I don't want to be in ministry, I don't want to be in nothing. Now, if I ever get my testimony, it, yeah. I went through some hard times. Yeah. But at the same time, I got spiritually lazy in that point, And the Lord had to tell me, I don't yeah. want you to be the sin down yeah. on, on the back pew. Amen. I want you to be active. I want you to be, you know, more engaged in the ministry. Yeah. But what's sad is a lot of people hear that call and say, no, no Lord, I'm the saved. Thank you. That, that's all yeah. I want. I don't want to do more than that. Yeah. I just want to be. In my little circle, say, mm-hmm. Lord Jesus, you saved me, and that's it. That's all. And I don't want to be a light to nobody. I just, I just want to go to heaven. Amen. You know, um, when you were talking about the church earlier, I was watching a film one time. It was the End Times movie. And they had a lady. She was asking this guy. She says, why all these things are happening? 
you know, the tribulation and stuff. He was, he was explaining about the Antichrist and wh what was the plagues. She said, why is this things all happening? He says, well, God has given men what they always wanted, a world without God. Right. And so we're living where, yep. you know, yep. it, it, can you imagine when the church will be gone? So God's going to give men what they wanted. God's going to say, I'm going to let you see, I'm going I'm to let you give a little taste of what high is going to be when the devil's going to rule. And then you're going to appreciate when I was ruling and when my church was here, you know? And, and that's, that's the thing, you know, when the church is gone, look, the church mm -hmm. isn't gone yet. Nope. The church isn't gone yet. Look at all mm -hmm. the chaos that's going on. And that, that's where we come with this, the salt and the light. Mm -hmm. How many believers are out here seeing this, but they're mm -hmm. not praying, they're not seeking the Lord, they're not, nope. they're not being that light. Yeah. Nope. And yeah. that, that, that does come by prayer and seeking the Lord and, and studying his word. But to come to a point to where you, where Christians are seeing this and saying, well, I'm still going to just, like I said earlier, I just have Jesus. The Lord's going to take care of that. You know, we're going to, you know, that'd be like me looking at all the news and saying, wow, look what's going on. <laughs> That's okay. Pastor Brandon's praying for that. Right. You right. get what I'm saying? I'm putting all that on Pastor Brandon's plate. Right. But, it, you know, we need to do our job as the body of Christ as well. Well, the thing is we don't realize, and a lot of Christians don't realize, I heard a preacher say this on the radio today, and he's right. Hmm. He says, Jordan's people in this church are, are, are pew warmers. Mm -hmm. He said, they sit here, they take God's air, mm -hmm. they take in the preaching, mm -hmm. and that's all they do. They go home, mm -hmm. they don't do nothing. I mean, Christians don't realize how much a difference they can make. You know, I'm just, like, for example, when Fireproof, when they mm -hmm. made the movie Fireproof, mm -hmm. Christians went out there and supported that. And look how yeah. big it did. It just yeah. to show you how much more ministry-wise, if Christians would go out there Amen. and do what they're supposed to do, you yeah. can make you can make a difference. Satan tells you, and the, mm -hmm. the liberals and the devil and everybody tells you, you're a little Christian. You can't do nothing. You know, you you you, you know, you can't make a difference. And Christians buy it. You'd yeah. be surprised how much they buy yeah. that. Yeah, and, yeah. And mm -hmm. that is the heartbreaking thing. And and mm -hmm. you know, if they truly knew what they could be by the grace mm -hmm. of God, right? right? Oh, Every yeah. child of God, right? No, mm -hmm. there are no special people in the kingdom. That's right. right? Jesus. <laughs> intentionally yeah. would always take the people that everyone mm -hmm. thought there's nothing unique about them. And actually mm -hmm. the only things that are unique are bad, unique, like right. they make mm -hmm. them awful. Yeah. Peter's got foot and mouth disease. <laughs> you know, Like, like I'm going to take that guy, yeah, you know, uh, James and John are self-righteous mean people who want everybody <laughs> to die all at once. Fire down from heaven, Jesus. Yeah, burn them all up. And, uh, yeah. you know, is that, is that the representation of Jesus that you want? Right. No. People say, be like Jesus. Where who are his disciples? Like the most, let the least like <laughs> Jesus people uh, that you could imagine. And he chose them uh, to show us that, that the, the potential for the grace of God uh, mm. to work in your life, the potential that could happen through your life by grace is incredible. Um, and just when you talk about like spiritual laziness mm -hmm. that you mentioned, uh, when it says in, in uh, Ephesians chapter five, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Mm -hmm. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. For when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that comes to the light, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, mm -hmm. and Christ will shine, shine on you. 
Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. And so he quotes this Old Testament prophecy and applies it to New Testament Christians, where he says, Awake, O sleeper. Right. Mm-hmm. You're asleep. Right? Mm-hmm. He, he's already made a distinction between those who are the children of God and those who are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, as Christians, you don't take in, in part, you don't take no part in those unfruitful works that, that those people right. who are lost are doing. And it, so he's saying to Christians, you're asleep, you're saved. Right, you're not dead in your sins right. the way that these people are. You're alive in Christ. You have you have life in you. You have the potential of serving and using uh, the the life and opportunities that God's given you for His glory. But you're asleep. You're just not aware of everything that's going on around you. You're not active. You're in apathy. You you need to be awoken. Right. right. And so for some people, that's a gentle, loving grabbing them by the arm in a whisper, right? My wife wakes up very easy. Hey, honey, it's time to wake up. I, on the other hand, need a hand grenade, someone to tip the bed, uh, you know, and, yeah. and, and some, grab people, you say, are, wake up, wake some up. people are harder to wake up. Uh, and so the church has to wake up. People have right. to wake up. They have to be uh, jolted awake to be serving the way that they should, realizing that if, if they were awake, they could... Uh, they could do so much for the Lord. You know, I mean, you think about the racial issue that's going on into our nation, and I realize that's kind of a hard segue. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a hard right turn. Um, but, and I just bring it up because it seems so complicated. There are so many conversations that are going around, going on around the race issue that make people feel like I can't even enter the conversation because it's so complicated. There's so many political aspects and these aspects and that aspect. And really Christians could solve it in a day. We could solve it in a day. Love your neighbor. Right. Right. Love your neighbor. Not, not your neighbor that has the same, you know, you know, shaded skin pigmentation that you have, not according to a melanin count, who just love your neighbor, right? Love every person. Um, and so, man, if we were just loving one another, right? And then the issue is, okay, well, if I love my neighbor uh, and I, I have a good, healthy, biblical sense of what is just and what is righteous and what is good, it, it makes voting pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Okay, let's enact this policy. That's biblical. That's sound. That's safe. Or let's have this act one to another, and where at least the world knows that there might be racism or division or prejudice or all of these other things out in the world, but those people over there love no matter what, and they don't care about skin color. Uh, and the work of the Spirit will do that in people, right? The, I don't know how much you know about the, uh, the history of the Pentecostal movement and, and the, the, uh, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in 1903 and 1906 and all these mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. But the main wave of, uh, of the Spirit of God that was at work on Azusa Street was led by a black preacher, right? Right, and That's this right. is Seymour early, Seymour. early nineteen oh six, nineteen oh seven. If you go and look so at his, here is a black yeah. man mm-hmm. leading a predominantly white right. group yep. of people. Now, as 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 the spirit of God begins to move, everybody comes in. They're right. they're right. Asians and Hispanic. I mean, this is California, so it's a very <laughs> uh, ethnically mix. diverse yeah. place, uh, even in that time. And so everybody's coming in, but. 
all of a sudden God chose someone, uh, right? I mean, if you're, if you're going to say there's going to be a move of God and an African-American is going to lead they that thought you was crazy. In, a, in a time that uh, is going to, or is going to lead that, now wouldn't be so difficult. We've, we've had yeah. a black president. But for the Lord to choose that man then, he was sending a message, right? He was communicating something. And then the statement that became common in the church was that the racial line was washed under the blood. Right. Right. Amen. That the, the racial divide, the segregation, the separation, the, the clear conscious in, in the individual person, conscience and societal racial divide that was there. It was a hard line. It was a, it was a wall. Right. That separation that was there was covered in the blood, right? Didn't take political movements, didn't take anything else. And that's not to say that political movements aren't necessary or, or one way or the other. And we can get in that conversation if we need to. But really, if we are loving our neighbor, it just takes care of that. Yep. It just mm-hmm. solves it. Uh, and right. so the, the need is not for us to have all of the complicated political answers in our back pocket, because some of them are very complicated. And I, I admit to struggling with understanding some of these issues. But frankly, if we love our neighbor, a lot of that stuff just goes away. Right. Well, look, let's, let's go back to, well, Brother Seymour. Brother Seymour had his Bible college training from yep. the hallway. He couldn't go inside. Yep of a Bible college because he was segregation. Yep. Yep. But like you said, God used them. And look, we can use our three weeks ago, the yep. answer. And I, I remember asking Brother Lee that for our interview with the podcast. I asked Brother Lee, I said, what did you, what was your first thought when you looked out? We had white Americans, we had black Americans, we had Hispanic Americans, we had all kind of different cultures out here. We yep. had all kind of... And he said, my heart was overjoyed. Yeah. One person told me, this is what heaven's going to be exactly like. This is, it. And, and exactly it. Look, that whole event, yeah. the, the Louisiana State Capitol was full. Yeah. Not white people, yeah. not black African Americans, not, not just expand. It was yeah. all naturality. Some people it was are going to be very confused with the amount of melanin that's going to be in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people, well, we're going to have a Cajun and, table, we're going to have a Spanish table. <laughs> 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 you know? And so, I mean, there, some people yeah. are going to look up and see a brown Jesus and go, Oh, wow! You know, yeah, you know he he wasn't he wasn't white. He wasn't the European uh-huh. Jesus. He's he not a yeah. he's not a black Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a Jew. And look, I've been right? making Middle I've Eastern. Been, I've been making this statement, brother Brandon. And correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, but I, I told someone the other day because we was talking about the statue that yeah. they wanted to start tearing down statues of yeah. Jesus. Look, I don't I don't look to a statue. I look to the man. Yeah. But I was talking to a couple of friends, and we came up with this conversation of what color Jesus was. First yeah. off, if you worshiping Jesus, if he's and you expect him to be white. And, you need to check your heart because you might be racist. Because yeah. you worship him because he's white, you're going to the hole. Right? Yeah. Jesus Christ could be purple with green stripes yeah. or gray polka dots. It don't matter. Amen. He died for me. Amen. He's my Savior. Amen. I'm going to serve him Amen. because he loves me. He could be Amen. black. He could be Hispanic. He could be white. I don't Amen. care his nationality. Amen. I believe that he saved me. Yeah. And that's where the issue of... When be, people bring this up, Jesus said, for whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, shall, yeah. uh, Paul said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yep. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only oh, begotten God. son. I heard someone say, look, the world the world got a lot of people in it. 
Yep. I don't think Jesus is looking at the skin tone yep. of anyone. He created Amen. everybody. Amen. And that, that's where the racial divide, that's where it needs to start. I wouldn't, that was, if that's the first question I would ask me, well, do you think Jesus is white? Well, if you have that mindset, yeah. mm-hmm. you, yeah. you, don't, you might not know him. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you just look at history over time, the makings of statues and paintings of Jesus uh, began to be more and more white the further into Europe You're that right. it traveled. Right. right. So, you know, you, you, I mean, and that wasn't for any racist reason. It was just people were making pictures of Jesus. Right. And the, the people around them looked a certain way. Mm-hmm. Right. So they, they made him look that way. Now, mm. it's totally fabricated what's happening now where we make Jesus a, a white Jesus right. or a black Jesus. And we, we intentionally know that's not what he is. And I'm trying to make him look like me. Right. 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 The, we're in a different age now. Um, and so what, one of the things we do, uh, you know, recognize or contend with is uh, the people that are up in arms about, you know, white Jesus, uh, you know, being some of the leaders of some of these social movements, um, you know, for, uh, you know, for racial issues that are going on politically in our nation. Uh, they are reckoning with the fact that in specifically in America, uh, black slaves uh, being taught about a white Jesus, and so their masters are white, and the person they're taught to worship is white, uh, and so what that you know could have done potentially psychologically to them, and the oppressive image of that. But to make that you not unanimous and synonymous with that image is just wrong. That's not the purpose of right. a white Jesus. That they that was the way that they portrayed him. Uh, for for a long time, just because that's how people looked, and so, or how the people around the the uh, the creators of that uh, image or statue looked. Um, so it, it's not wrong for us to have a conversation and say, you know what, maybe there are people uh, who uh, see that image and it makes them struggle because it in their mind there's such a racial issue in their mind right. that attaching Jesus to that complicates the issue. I, I have a, a minister friend on Facebook that was sharing the gospel on the streets uh, of a city up north, and he said there's a picture of him and, and two African Americans from his church, and there's a black guy that he's talking to, and the guy specifically asked him, like, what is there in Jesus for me? How can I worship Jesus? What does Jesus have to offer me? Because in his mind, Jesus is a white man's religion, right. right? Muhammad Ali, if you ever watched the interview that he did, uh, probably the 60s, because it's black and white, um, and he's talking about growing up, going to church, mm-hmm. and he said, Mama, why is everybody in 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 the Bible white? You know, he goes to a black church, mm-hmm. but then mm. in the stained glass and the pictures that he sees, he says, the apostles are white. Jesus is white. Uh, the prophets are white. Even the angels are white. Where are the mm-hmm. black people, right? <laughs> and and so he sees that, and he just struggles with it, and says, "This is this is a white man's religion. I'm not a white man." And mm. that was p- part of what led him to walk away uh, from from his upbringing. Not that he was, you know, apostatizing. Not that he was legitimately saved or serving the Lord. But that's what he was raised with, and he turned from it because of that image. And so we do have to realize there are ways that Jesus has been lumped in with our culture and society in a way that hurts our message um, and be willing to acknowledge that and confront that and and talk about it. Um, But 
just some of the ways that certain people uh, are having the conversation like like you know white Jesus is literally you know a devil you know because it, he's this form of oppression um, and it's and it's always intentional is just silly uh, but like you said the skin color really makes so little difference yeah, it, the, it, the the skin color between us right we might see that or, or not us because I know we don't but other people might see that as a significant difference. The big difference between God and us was not a surface level millimeter no. of pigment, uh, you know, level of of difference. The difference was a root core issue of sin that made us yep. entirely different than him. And he saw us and said, you are nothing like me, and yet I will love you. And I will give you my son, and he will die for you, and I will save you. And I will not only save you, but I'll bring you into my family, and I'll adopt you, and I'll make you my child, and you'll be mine forevermore. And then we're all going to be in heaven with no sin and and gathered around the throne, and everybody next to us is going to look a lot different than us because Jesus describes the bride and God's people in heaven as coming out of every tribe, every tongue, every kindred, every nation from over the earth, right? So um, it, it's just, I, I don't know if, if, you know, we haven't had this conversation, but, uh, but one of the things that I've had people tell me, you know, that being raised in the South, many Christians would even tell me that they have very strong feelings that, yes, we're to love everybody and anybody can be saved and everybody can be a part of the church, but they still believe strongly in, you know, white people should marry white people, black people should marry right. black people. And, right. and, yeah. and I've even heard them rationalize. And this is the same thing Muhammad Ali says. So it's not just white people saying it, it's black people. Even mm-hmm. some black Christians saying, you know, well, white birds, you know, mate with white birds and red birds mate with <laughs> red birds and blue birds, you know, mate with blue birds. And so we ought to stick with our own kind. That was one of the things that Muhammad Ali said in some interviews. The funny thing is, if you're trying to be a biblical Christian in your convictions, and you look at the the book of Revelation and the picture of the bride of Christ, Jesus has the first, the most biracial bride in human history, right? right? right. He's a Jew who's marrying a bride, right, using that symbolic mm-hmm. language, mm-hmm. That, that's more racially uh, mixed than any group before, right? right? You, might, right. you might be, oh, I'm mixed, I've, you know, I'm Hispanic and white, or I'm, uh, you know, I got a, a you know, a great grandfather that's Irish and a grandmother that's uh, Korean and a, a cousin, you know, a, a other grandparent yeah. that's you know Hispanic or or black, and you think you're mixed. I tell you what, the bride, bride in heaven is going to be some of everything. It's well, uh, let's go, let's go even yeah. deeper though. Let's go into scripture. Um, if you look at Christ's uh, line. Throughout yep. his whole, yeah. When people say, "Well, Christ was pure," Jew, no, yep. Rahab was a harlot from Jericho. Mm-hmm. Yep. You had a uh, Ruth that was a, uh, was she a Shittabite? No, no, uh, not uh, no, no. She was uh, from Moab. From Moab, Moab. Moabite. So she was yep. a Moabite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so throughout Jesus' whole yep. earthly line, yep. to yep. when he was born, there was interracials mixed in yep. right there yep. in different cultures. And and I've mm-hmm. even heard people point to passages of scripture. Like there's a there's a quote in Second uh, Corinthians, uh, you know, come out from among them, be separate, says the Lord, and that is a passage uh, in the Old Testament that's talking about not intermarrying with other right. people. But if you look at the context of of Deuteronomy and those in those passages, the issue was never ethnicity, Mm-mm. because if someone uh, was a foreigner 
but they became a Jew in that they were circumcised, mm-hmm. they became a part of the covenant community, mm-hmm. they worshiped God and cast away their idols. They were free to not only live in the land, but marry anyone they wanted. Right. That's right. Right? That's so it right. was never an ethnic thing. It was a worship thing. So it just biblically, there is no reason to believe uh, that relationships or any of that has any place in any ethnicity, any tribe, uh, any of that has anything to do with any relationship in the body of Christ. If we worship the same God and we've both been changed by him, we can, we can have, you can be my best friend. Uh, you, you can, I wouldn't, I won't say you, I can marry you cause I'm already married and I, don't, I ain't trading in for nobody. Uh, no. but, but you can marry my daughter. Uh, you can marry my son. You can, you can be a member of our church. You can be our family. We love you because the point is, are you born again? Right. Are you a part of the family of God? And just putting aside those those divides, those differences, uh, so much of that is so natural when we just serve the Lord and love one another, right? right. I mean, my my associate pastor is Hispanic, right? right? Uh, I mean, just, you know, my pastor's wife, uh, when I grew up in North Carolina, the church that I was in, she was Korean, right? And so it, there, there, there's, we're not having councils, we're not meeting, we're not going, should people X be able to be a part of people Y and we'll make a council decision as a church making, I'm just loving my neighbor, yeah, man. We just, we just love everyone and we seek rake, uh, rake, reconciliation. Um, and so it, it would just be so easy in all of this. We're kind of getting off into the woods uh, or into the weeds on, on a specific topic. But, you know, kind of rooting it back in in this idea of being salt, being light, awake, O oh sleeper. Right. Uh, if we're just awake and we're just serving the Lord and, and loving the Lord, where it says in that passage that we quoted in the next verse after it says, awake, O oh sleeper, it says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Right. Living according to your conscience, according to your conviction, seeking the Lord, reading the word to become a wise person, make sure that you're walking in wisdom. And so if we'll do that, if we'll wake up spiritually and we'll become the people that we're supposed to be uh, by the grace of God, then, man, we will be that salt and be that light in the earth, and we just can't afford to not be that anymore. We can't. Well, you got to realize salt preserves... Yep. And, you know, back then, they didn't have icebox and freezers mm-hmm. like we have today. Yep. So back then, they have to put salt on the meat yep. to keep it preserved. Yep. And so that's what a Christian does. You know, he, mm. he keeps, you know, he keeps the world mm. uh, preserved. You know? you know, you make a difference. You know, when you go to work, you know, salt also agitates. <laughs> He's right. Yeah. You He's know, because right. when you go to work, and I don't know about y'all, but when I went to work, you didn't have to say much. Yep. And it's not to be a prideful thing. God yep. knows my heart. But you go over there and you're like, they look at you like, man, this is something different about mm-hmm. this guy. He's mm-hmm. weird. He's strange, yep. you know. But yep. that's what salt does. It like light. It exposes. Yep. And, and they're like, oh, we better not talk that certain mm-hmm. way in front of that guy. Or he don't talk like us. Yeah. Something's not right. So that's what, you know, this salt brings people to Christ. Amen. So that's why it's very important to be salt Amen. in a world, you know. Amen. Yeah. Well, guys, we're going to go ahead and end it right there. Brother Brandon, that was a great conversation. Thank Praise you. God. Hey, we enjoyed gonna, it. We're going to have to get you sooner than later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got to get you, you sooner and later. Love to. But uh, 
All right, guys, if y'all uh, want to come visit New Beginning Fellowship Church, it is our home church of Brothers Just Searching. We've been mm-hmm. going there um, for about four years. Four mm-hmm. years at least. Yeah, Already. four years. Uh, I left for a little while, but I've yep. been back since two. I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. Me and uh, yeah. Donna got together. We still, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, it's been about two years, yeah. so, but it's the, been... The prodigal yeah. son came back home. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. That's but, all right. Uh, we're still getting that, that mud off of him, bro. Yeah, we're still, <laughs> we're still cleaning him up. Clean, clean me up. Clean me up. But uh, if y'all want to come visit New Beginning Fellowship Churches at 519 Parkway Drive, our services are 1030 on Sunday mornings, and... Um, if uh, Brother Brandon, if anyone want to get in contact with you, they can email you at the church or how do Yep, yep. You can find us uh, online at newbeginningfc.com. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us there, and, uh, and my secretary will get that information to me. Uh, and uh, we just, we'd love to see you if you want to come worship with us. Uh, we'd love to be able to encourage you, worship the Lord with you, serve you in any way that we can, and uh, just see you grow in the Lord. Amen. Amen. And also, um, if you want to listen to Pastor Brandon's messages, you can go on Brothers Just Searching Facebook page. We share all the Facebook Live videos that Pastor Brandon and Pastor Daniel do. And you can go ahead and listen to our services there if you're not around the Great Bro Bridge, Louisiana area. Come check us out, though. We, we're fun-loving, God-fearing people. We love, we just love the Lord, and we're ready to get the message out. Pastor Brandon, thank you again. Thank you Hope for having me. Hope we can do it again soon. Anthony, I'll see you next week. Okay. All right, guys, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and please leave a review. And y'all have a good night.